The parish likes to, to look at kind of the bigger picture. A priest is an altar Christus. They just go, go, go. In the zeal full of Jesus Christ. There is compassion for poor people. And it has this beautiful historic church. Heaven coming down to earth. Thanks be to God. From the Rome of the West, this is the Catholic Gateway Podcast, your audio gateway into the Archdiocese of St. Louis. On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We'll also give an update on Catholic news, courtesy of the reporters from the St. Louis Review and Catholic St. Louis Magazine, the official publications of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So with trust in the Holy Spirit, let's begin. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. I hope you haven't missed us too much lately. It's been a while since we've done a full episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. In fact, our last full episode, you might say, was in November after the Souls and Goals soccer game between the seminarians of Kenrick Glennon and the priests of the Archdiocese. Hopefully you listened to our most recent special Catholic Gateway Podcast episode from last week, when we talked to some participants on the Generation Life trip to Washington, D.C. for the March for Life. But in between November and now, we had the season of Advent, when we shared daily reflections on the Jesse tree, so that took up a lot of our studio recording time. Then we got into Christmas, and ever since the new year, things have been a little busy here in the Office of Communications. By now, you should be aware of Board Bill 203 in the City of St. Louis Board of Aldermen. That bill was just voted out of committee yesterday on February 1st. We'll talk more about that later in the podcast. We've also had executive orders from the new administration dealing with immigration, and of course we had the March for Life on January 27th. You can read more about these issues as they develop in the St. Louis Review, especially the February 6th through 12th edition, or online at stlouisreview.com. Not to be lost in all the busyness, though, is Catholic Schools Week, which we are in the midst of as I'm recording this on Thursday, February 2nd. In an archdiocese that ranks eighth in the country in number of students enrolled in Catholic schools, this is an important week of celebration. Catholic Schools Week is, you know, a a national celebration, and so the schools uh, really get into this. It's a time of celebration, and they have special events that are planned at the schools every single day. Grandparents' Day is a standard thing, uh, affirming and appreciating their volunteers, their parishioners for their support, even when they don't have children in the schools anymore. That's Sue Brown, Director of Marketing and Community Relations in the Archdiocese Education Office. She says the staff of the Education Office makes it a priority to spread out and visit as many of the schools as possible during this week. I was at my own parish's open house at Holy Redeemer uh, this last Sunday, and I had a lovely eighth grader, student ambassador, tour guide show me through the school. She was very articulate, shared with me where she'll be going to high school next year, all that. You know, um, there's a real sense of pride there and ownership, and, and uh, as well as among all of the, the teachers there and the parents that were there to help as well. And so I just think it's such a cheerleading kind of event, I guess, you know, and everybody just feels really upbeat. I remember when I was a principal and uh, was uh, supervising and the teachers, you know, were helping me plan Catholic Schools Week. It was exhausting, but in a good way. When we left on Friday, we were just completely exhausted. It was, you know, faculty uh, and and uh, student 
volleyball games, you know, and the kids would root for both of us and, uh, you know, just fun things like that. But also showing off our academic programs. I was just at one of the schools yesterday who was showing off, you know, the academic enrichment program that their students do. And it's just amazing the things that they that they do deep research into in terms of um, aerodynamics and and, you know, uh, one is asking her the his essential question about what would we have done had the atomic bomb not been invented? How would that have affected the resolution of World War II? Really things, you know, that are just like that. And, I, and yesterday morning I was at St. Ambrose School when they had invited some of the children from St. Louis the King at the Basilica uh, for a kind of a just you know, diversity, awareness, and, and a time to kind of connect with each other and uh, establish some relationships and do some uh, prayer uh, around virtues and living a virtuous life. So, you know, it's it's everything from academics to our Catholic identity and um, our socialization and, you know, just everything that's really good about Catholic schools in St. Louis. That school with the unique academic enrichment program Sue mentioned is Our Lady of Lords in University City. On a visit there earlier this week, I talked with Sally McAlexander, the Academic Enrichment Coordinator, who helps run the program. Students qualify for the program by showing high achievement in the normal curriculum. They come to me then and they develop what's called an essential question. And this is something that is, they can't just go out to the internet and Google. They have to really um, formulate a question that is on that, that higher level thinking of where they need to synthesize a lot of different information, put it all together, and then come up with a conclusion to their question. Um, then they do research and they um, utilize both primary and secondary sources. I always try and put them with a um, expert in the field, a primary source, so that they can have that experience. They use print and electronic materials to, to get their information and then they write a paper. But in addition to a paper, the students must have what's called a show component, some sort of a presentation or visible display. They select the audience and um, they, they put together some kind of a project and it can be anything from um, a conventional presentation with slides to um, I've had kids do um, I had a girl who did a, a project on the World's Fair and she invented new foods that she presented to a group that she thinks would have been present during that time. Other sorts of projects her students have worked on include researching the endangered status of the honeybee and creating a pollinator garden, redesigning an aircraft tail wing, writing a 56-plus page short story, and conducting taste tests related to high fructose corn syrup, and another one on the role gender plays in taste preferences. Currently, some students are working on developing a school news broadcast and a project on forensic science. Their minds are incredible. They come up with the most amazing things that you just, they, they really do blow me away every day. And it's really geared toward their interest. I mean, that's, that's the key. Is that, that is the there? key. I don't ever tell them what to, to study. They tell me what they're going to do. And then from there, we, we develop the, the path and the journey together. But as far as the idea, it is 100% their own. Sally says the Catholic school environment is essential to enabling these sorts of unique educational opportunities. One of the things about a Catholic school, um, and, and I have had both 
experiences. I've, I began as a public school teacher and have been in the Catholic schools for many, many years. Um, one of the things that I find so unique about a Catholic school is that we can um, respond to our community needs. Um, and we can develop these kinds of programs. I have a, an incredible visionary principal, a supportive pastor, our teachers are so supportive, and, and parents. And all of that together, this real community that the Catholic school environment is, allows for these kinds of programs to flourish and develop. And that's really the point of Catholic Schools Week to reflect on and promote the excellence of Catholic education. I'm Abby Grunzinger, an 8th grade student at Our Lady of Lourdes, also the student council president. I think Catholic Schools Week is special you know, for Catholic schools because I think it celebrates the connection between our faith and our education. And you know, not a lot of schools have that, but for Catholic schools, you know, it's, it's really a great time to be more aware of our faith and our education. Here's Jean Giron principal at Our Lady of Lourdes on Catholic Schools Week. Catholic Schools Week is an opportunity for us to highlight that which makes us special, that emphasis on our faith. It's an opportunity for us to bring even more alive one week during the year, the things we do all year long that share our faith with the children and hopefully bring them into a deeper relationship with Christ and his church. For us at Our Lady of Lourdes, we dedicate each day to something particular. You happen to be visiting on Tuesday, which is our day focused on service. So each grade level is involved in a different service project. And then this afternoon, we have a guest speaker from St. Agnes Home coming to share with the children the ministry that they provide to the elderly. And there are other ways Our Lady of Lourdes incorporates faith into the daily life of the school. Here's Abby again. And then we do go to Mass every Friday and with religion class every day. Um, but another thing we do is DEEP, which stands for Drop Everything and Pray. And it's 10 minutes a day in which, you know, students and teachers just, you know, take some time and focus on prayer. And the eighth graders, um, our class leads the younger children, kindergarten through third grade, in the prayers, which things are set up for us. But we read them stories or show them videos and help them grow closer to God. So it's not only growing the faith in you and, and everyone here at the school, it's also a leadership and a mentorship sort of relationship, right? Yes, it is. Is that kind of cool then to kind of work with the younger kids then, especially in deepening their prayer life? It's, I, I think it's really interesting and kind of fun too because, you know, younger kids are, can be kind of funny in some of the things they say, but it's also fun to kind of take on that leadership role and it feels good to help them be helping them do something to, that strengthens, strengthens their faith. And I can tell you the younger students thoroughly enjoy when the eighth graders come to visit. And they actually call the eighth graders their deep teachers. And they wave at them when they see them in the hallway. It's a wonderful connection between our older and younger students. It's those connections that Jean sees as the foundation for community. Catholic schools on the whole are very intentional about building up community. And they do a lot to promote it. Jean describes how it works at Lourdes. Community is a really strong component of our school program, and we are currently in the midst of our school improvement process, writing our plan for the next five years. And we did a survey out to our families, and the sense of community within our school came across loud and strong in those survey responses, which was really a blessing for us because it is something we focus on. Our school happens to physically sit within a neighborhood, so we are very much a neighborhood school. 
a number of my students walk or ride their bike to and from school. That sense of feeling safe within the community, that everyone's watching out for everyone else's children is really strong here. Our pastor and our associate pastor, Monsignor Haneke and Father Ligio, are deeply involved in our school and do a lot to connect us with the parish community as well. We have a very strong PTA. We have a very strong school board that provide us that connection between the faculty and the parent community. And my teachers are constantly looking for ways to remain in communication with parents and to continue to keep parents apprised of how their students are doing. And the students do a wonderful job of helping us build that sense of community within our building that then filters out to their families and to their homes. Do you feel that too? Yes, I think I definitely do. The sense of community is really almost overwhelming. It's amazing how much everybody, you know, is so welcoming to everyone else. I came to the school when I was in sixth grade, so most of my classmates had known each other since kindergarten, but I felt like I just fit right in. Um, especially because I had played sports with some of the people, and I feel like that's another good way for people to become a community too. But I think it's really incredible and hopefully something that's not just unique to our school. I hope that every school everywhere can have a sense of community as strong as ours. There is something unique, though, about our Catholic schools in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Not every type of school, even private or charter schools, can build community and educate the whole person quite like Catholic schools. Here's Sue again. First of all, what makes us so unique and and different from other school districts is the huge geographic area that we cover. And uh, so there's there's rural, there's urban, there's suburban, you know, and, and all different kinds of ethnicities. It's just so rich. In, in the sense of, of being diverse. And so, you know, we, we educate some 40,000 children in 139 schools. Um, 13% of our students are non-Catholic. Uh, 15% of our students are, uh, you know, from racial diversities, minorities. And um, 11% of our students uh, have diagnosed learning disabilities, which is in keeping with, with the general population in the public school districts. So, um, you know, we, we have our own Department of Special Education. That is a really huge benefit here. Uh, our t- almost 200-year history, you know, is, is something that we cherish. We'll be celebrating uh, our 200th anniversary next year. This year we're, we're hosting the NCEA convention here in St. Louis during Easter week, so we're certainly planning for that. We're proud to be able to say that 99% of our high school graduates graduate on time and that 98% of them go on to higher education, uh, college, junior college, or, uh, you know, something similar. So if you measure the success of a product by how students are doing is after they leave us and go on into their lives, we're very proud they're doing well. So many of our civic leaders in St. Louis are graduates of our Catholic schools, and uh, they're proud of that too. So it makes us proud. And so Catholic Schools Week is a yearly way to show our pride in Catholic schools. It's important because I think in our day-to-day work in our schools, you know, we're we're so focused on on what we're doing and um, just the process of it that we don't sometimes take the time to just, you know, sit back and, and celebrate and reflect on 
how good we are, you know, and, and that's so energizing, especially at this time of year, you know, in the dead of winter, sometimes people ask, why do we do this during January? Well, NCEA, the National Catholic Educational Association, has uh, kind of proclaimed this time of year, I guess it was good for them. Um, but anyway, you know, across the country, this year, we've been very fortunate to have good weather. So nobody's been, uh, you know, kept out of the buildings because of ice storms or anything like that. But it's just a time to celebrate. Even in the midst of the celebration, Sue admits the environment in which our Catholic schools exist today is very different than it has been in the past. There are a lot of challenges that families are facing nowadays. And I think that uh, our church here in St. Louis, with Archbishop's uh, support, has... uh, really begun to ramp up our uh, addressing those challenges with the Roman Catholic Foundation scholarships, Today and Tomorrow scholarships. Uh, I told a, a parent who called me just the other day about uh, his son getting into a high school and could he afford it, and I said, never, no one, first of all, no one pays cost to educate. And I'll say that again, no one pays the cost to educate. A lot, of, most people probably don't pay the actual tuition even, so never presume without looking into it, that you cannot afford a Catholic education. The other thing I would tell you from a marketing perspective is, you know, I learned a long time ago that uh, your competition is everyone that uh, people compare you to or your school. So what is it, besides all the things I mentioned before, that we can say no one else can do, and that's our Catholic identity, our faith formation, sacramental preparation programs that we can offer, fully integrated religious education program, not just 60 minutes a week or, you know, one isolated thing, but fully, uh, a full integration of both human knowledge with our faith. I saw something recently, like, is there a Catholic way to teach math? There and, is. And there is. It's yes. Been- there is. And, and more and more, uh, you know, teachers are addressing those kinds of things in more intentional ways, you know, and talking about those kind of things through professional learning communities. But, um, you know, it's just something that's ingrained mm-hmm. in us. In a recent article, Mark Gray, a senior research associate at the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, wrote, The Catholic school environment is unique among educational institutions in the United States. When it comes to challenges for the future of Catholic education, Superintendent of Catholic Education in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, Dr. Kurt Nelson, recently wrote in his column in the St. Louis Review, quote, while we honor the past and how it has shaped us, it's our turn to reinvigorate and strengthen Catholic education for the present day so it can help shape future generations. Because, he continued, Catholic schools not only teach that the sun is the center of the solar system, they also teach that the sun is the center of our life. For the Catholic Gateway Podcast, this is Gabe Jones. So recently in the city of St. Louis, there was a board bill filed in the St. Louis Board of Aldermen that, uh, in the words of Archbishop Carlson, would make St. Louis City a sanctuary for abortion. Um, To talk a little bit more about this issue, I've brought on the podcast Jennifer Brinker, reporter of the St. Louis Review, who's been been covering this since since it was filed. Um, Jennifer, thank you for coming back on. Yeah, thanks, Gabe. I know you've got to run to another assignment. (laughs) Busy busy reporter, uh, as always. Uh, But I just wanted to talk real quick about 
kind of give us the genesis of this bill, you know, as you understand it, like, you know, when did it start and, and um, where are we now, I guess, is kind of the, the most important question. Sure. Well, this board, it, the board bill is called uh, Board Bill 203, and essentially what it would do is um, make pregnancy and reproductive health decisions protected classes. And uh, originally when it was filed, it was um, pegged to the city's anti-discrimination law. But now as things are progressing and uh, the Board of Aldermen, they're discovering that the, you know, there are challenges to this. You know, there are entities, including the Archdiocese of St. Louis, that are challenging this. Um, they've decided to make this a standalone bill so it would not be pegged to the city's anti-discrimination law. Um, so Board Bill 203 would provide um, limited exemption for religious institutions um, to, in portions of the bill and it doesn't provide protection for individual business owners who object to these sorts of things, abortion, um, reproductive health issues such as birth control, sterilization, et cetera. Um, it would not protect those individuals. So I talked to a, um, a Catholic uh, family, uh, the Shulprezies. The, they have a law firm in St. Louis City, and you know, they're small Catholic you know, business owners who you know, they share concerns about this, where you know, there's supposed to be some allowances for religious institutions, but for these little guys like them, this is a real concern. And so they're saying, you know, how is this going to affect us, you know, as a small, you know, business right. here in the city? So um, the committee that is hearing this, they passed it uh, this past Wednesday, and now it goes to the full board. And now the full board's going to take this we'll up. We'll see where, yeah, where it goes. So we should also add and make clear that that religious exemption was only added because of some pushback that we mm -hmm. we gave. I mean, because our legal team looked at the original bill and the original language and said, mm -hmm. you know, this is unacceptable right. because it's going to make the archdiocese potentially be complicit in any, you know, sort of action you can imagine regarding abortion or whatever, renting to a, a doctor who wants to do abortions or any, you know, any sorts of things like that. Mm -hmm. So they added the religious exemption. And now we're continuing to fight because we know that there are, like you said, Catholic business owners in the city mm -hmm. who don't want to have to be involved in this stuff, potentially. Right. Um, you know, so we're trying to make sure that the, that the religious liberties of individuals, not only just our institution as the archdiocese mm -hmm. and Catholic charities and, and other, you know, our schools, we want to make sure those, those individual Catholics are also protected and that um, the way this bill is written or has been, has been voted out of committee does not do that. Right, uh, right. So, um, I also should add too that, in addition to the archdiocese concerns about this, there have been some other entities, including the L Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, um, and then also uh, St. Louis University was referenced by the board committee on Wednesday as having concerns with the language of the bill. So, so it's not just the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. but there are other faith entities that have concerns with the language and how this would um, play out if. If went into effect. Right, and and you and I were both at the, the both committee hearings that were held on this bill, and um, there was actually some some robust debate. I think, especially in the second one, uh, at least on the, from the committee members. Um, the first one was more of a public hearing, and a lot of uh, the public uh, was able to to give their opinion, and their reporters, and, uh, opponents, and supporters. Mm -hmm. But in the second hearing, just this week, um, Alderwoman uh, Marlene Davis uh, really. Uh, made some really excellent points about religious liberty protections and the fact that there are existing laws in the books that protect um, 
that, that deal with employment discrimination and housing discrimination and, and looking at this as maybe just you know an extra you know law that doesn't need to exist mm-hmm. um, so it was nice to see that yeah and she actually spoke about it from you know looking at this from a local level in that you know when when a local entity such as the city you know tries to preempt you know what is in federal law and what is in state law already she said you know that's the kind of stuff that gets us meaning the city into trouble and she said that's really where we're at right now is you know we're trying to do something to preempt what is out there to provide some of these protections already so and you know interestingly enough you know i think the reason that that this is actually being considered in the city is you know we're dealing with um you know, life issues in, in some of the legislation that is out there, you know, both in Missouri and even at the federal level, um, there have been a number of restrictions, you know, put on things such as abortion and um, reproductive issues such as, you know, contraception. And so I'm th- I think that we're seeing, you know, cities like St. Louis and we've, we're seeing this in other cities as well where they're trying to get in at a local level where there might be more support for something like this where they may not get much headway like at the state level. Right, so. right. And I think um, there's a separate issue, but I think that also sort of highlights some of the um, um, division we have in this country, especially between an urban area like St. Louis and maybe somewhere more rural where they would never even consider something like this. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a whole different issue I don't want to get into, but mm-hmm. um, something else I think as Catholics we need to be cognizant of and maybe pray about a little bit how these mm-hmm. divisions are cropping up. Um, but the... Uh, something I think for people to take away who are listening to this is that, you know, if, if this does get passed, uh, the archdiocese's legal team has said we will take legal action mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. this is clearly a violation of uh, federal law, of state law, of um, previous case law. There are a lot of issues with this, and our uh, legal team really is ready to to do something if this does pass. But before then, we can still stop this. And so we want people to take action, right? Correct. I, I know the Archdiocese is really eager to have folks reach out to the Board of Aldermen, and regardless of whether you live in the city um, or in St. Louis County or St. Charles County, um, to make your voices heard, and that um, this you know, really would have an effect on a lot of people. So you have some links in, uh, in your story. Um, the uh, St. Louis Review edition dated February 6th through 12th. It's also online at stlouisreview.com. Um, the, uh, the headline, just so you can find it easily, uh, St. Louis Aldermanic Committee Passes Board Bill 203. That's the headline for Jennifer's story. And there are um, links in, in a little sidebar to uh, take action, to contact those, uh, the City Board of Aldermen. Mm-hmm. There's also info on the Respect Life Apostolate. Check them out. They're very active right now. They have a, a letter campaign. They're encouraging people to, uh, to send in letters to their, uh, their aldermen if they're in the St. Louis uh, City. And if they're not in St. Louis City, you can... Um, you can send a letter to the, the full board of aldermen as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also check out, the, we've been tweeting a lot, hashtag BB203, if you mm-hmm. want to kind of check in on, on how things have progressed and, and who's been talking about this. Mm-hmm. That's out there as well. So um, still more to come, I guess, is, is the gist of this. Right, yeah, and as of you know this morning, I haven't checked you know to see any kind of schedule on the city's website, but you know, I'm guessing that in the next you know few weeks it's going to be coming up to the full board we just don't know exactly when yet so so we need to stay tuned and uh and continue to pray about this take action um jennifer anything else we need to make sure people know about 
BB203? No, I, you know, I have to say I really have appreciated the discussion in the last uh, two hearings with this committee, just hearing, you know, all the different angles and approaches to this and, you know, even why, you know, those who favor this bill, you know, why they feel so passionate about it, um, as well as the concerns. I mean, some very legitimate concerns that people of faith have about how this may infringe on, you know, their religious beliefs. So, yeah. Yeah, so we will see how things play out over the next few weeks. Um, just continue to uh, to pray and, and uh, do what you can. So, Jennifer, thank you for being on. I know you got to run. And, yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm losing my voice, so <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to cut this off. Thank you so much for being on the Catholic Gateway Podcast. I am here with Teak Phillips, the editor of the St. Louis Review, or as we refer to him, the Supreme Commander, here during this, uh, what we are calling internally the Year of Awesomeness, here in the communications office there at the Archdiocese. Teak, thanks for coming on the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Gabe. This is your, this is your first time. Yes, this is my first time on the podcast. <laughs> you've, been, you've been shy, but we're happy to have you. So tell, uh, tell the listeners just what, uh, what can they look forward to seeing in the St. Louis Review this week if they haven't picked it up already. Well, the this issue of uh, the executive order that bans refugees from certain countries has caught a lot of heat in the media and from our bishops. So we have a story about how a local refugee has found a lot of uh, a lot of joy and is thriving in St. Louis. And we sort of address this issue from the perspective of what our bishops have to say about embracing and welcoming immigrants to our nation. There's also some uh, pro-life news, which I've talked to Jennifer Brinker about actually just in the last segment on the podcast, BB203. And there was a, there was a big trip, something in Washington, D.C. that happened last week. Yeah, we had uh, more than 2,100 teens from St. Louis uh, as part of the Generation Life team march at uh, the March for Life in Washington. And you know, Jennifer's coverage of pro-life issues is really unparalleled locally for sure, but I would, I would put it up against anybody in the nation. Her, her understanding of that issue and you know the whole life issue and her understanding of how legislation will impact it is is unparalleled so i would encourage people to really engage with her on her social media platforms and and with her stories online and in print uh anything else in this week's review that uh stands out to you and and our readers well of course we always have the archbishop's column Uh, we have that in both english and spanish that's an important one to read this is the the way the Archbishop is able to get his weekly message to everybody. We can find that in print and online. And we continue our sports coverage with um, with our high school sports. That's a very popular section for us. So we, we're able to give a little bit of everything for people in St. Louis. Okay. And uh, looking forward a little further out, is there anything uh, anything really interesting coming down the pike that readers should be looking forward to? Oh, we'll continue watching the refugee issue, and we'll continue updating people on how they might be able to do a better job of welcoming migrants and, and refugees into our communities. We're continuing our coverage of schools as we have changes in South St. Louis and uh, North St. Louis County and other areas as we sort of have this renaissance of education, as they like to call it. And we'll be working on our next issue of Catholic St. Louis Magazine, and that will come out probably in late March, and our big coverage there will be the annual Catholic Appeal, which will be launching soon. Teak, thanks for coming on the Catholic Gateway Podcast, and uh, I hope you continue uh, awesomeing this year of awesomeness. All right, thanks, Gabe. And, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you're interested in Catholic information, make sure you subscribe to the St. Louis Review. 
You can do that through your parish or at stlouisreview.com slash subscribe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast. Just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter, at ArchSTL is our handle there, at ArchSTL. And we're on Instagram, at CatholicSTL. And you should follow the St. Louis Review. They're on Facebook, also Twitter and Instagram, under the handle, at St. Louis Review. That's S.T. Lewis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is now on iTunes and Google Play. Just search for Catholic Gateway Podcast or Archdiocese of St. Louis to find us. Please rate us, listen to us, share us with your friends.